We're talking about stewardship in these Sunday night messages, and it's all revolving around the, the truth that it all belongs to God. That's what Psalm 24.1, among many other verses, teaches us. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It, it's all His. It all belongs to Him. When we're talking about stewardship, it's helpful to be reminded what a steward is. A steward is one who manages another's property, finances, or other affairs. They don't own it. Beloved, you understand, we don't own a thing. It's all his, and we manage it on his behalf and at his behest. That's what a steward is. And the quicker that we understand and apply that truth, the easier it is for us to become good stewards of that with which God has blessed us. We began with that, that, that main theme, it all belongs to God. It all belongs to to God. Your character, who you are, belongs to God. Your companion, your marriage, belongs to God. Your children belong to God. This church belongs to God. And then our choices belong to God. And then last time we got a little more specific regarding uh, those three areas of our life that we really want to focus on. And we began with our time belongs to God. The time that you have was given to you by God. And we looked at that last week. We we learned that that time is impermanent. It's fleeting. It's fleeting. It's irreplaceable. And it's an investment. It's the most precious commodity that we have. You see, you could lose your money and conceivably make it back. You could lose your health and conceivably regain it. But once you spend time, time is gone. It's gone, and it's so precious, and so we need to make sure that we use it for the glory of God. Now I'm going to invite you to turn to Matthew 25, Matthew 25, the first of many scriptures we're going to read tonight, Matthew 25, verse number 14. Tonight we want to speak on the subject of our talents belong to God, our talents belong to God. Matthew 25, verse number 14. Jesus is speaking, says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto unto them his goods. Unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several or individual ability and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. Can I give you a a gratuitous sidebar here? It was framed in the Jewish mind that when you got money, you invested it and tried to make it do something for you and, and do more for you. Would to God our country would get that mindset back again. Instead of getting money, blowing it, and waiting for the government to give you some more. All right, back on the path. Uh, um, likewise, verse 17, he that received two, he also gained other two. Verse 18, but he that, digged, he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. 
And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Three times we're going to see that phrase, and it's a reminder that the only metric that matters is faithfulness. The only metric that matters is faithfulness. If we start using everything else as a metric, I know from where I speak, if you use attendance, if you use decisions, if you use this or that, you will get discouraged and you will ultimately quit. At the end of the day, the only metric that matters is faithfulness. And that's certainly what's presented here. Verse 22. He also that ever received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and, and, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, Thou knewest that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye, into, cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, one of the great beauties of this parable is how broadly it can be applied in the life of a Christian. We're not going to take the time tonight to, um, to really get into the passage and talk about the context as it relates to the Jews and all of that, but you understand that, that there is an application here for the modern-day Christian, and we can use that tonight. For our needs tonight, we're going to apply this to the talents and gifts with which God has blessed us. Um. There's three truths. I just want to give you these real quick. Three truths that we get from this passage right here. Number one, God distributes. What? Those are out of those are out of order. All right. Well, let's let's do them in that order then. Maybe maybe the Lord changed my PowerPoint. Talents are to be used for God's service. We understand that, don't we? Talents will be used for God's service. Number two, God distributes talents as he sees fit. And number three, talents can be removed if God so deems. Okay? All of that is found in this text. All of that is found in this text. God distributes them as he sees fit. They're to be used for his service, and they can be removed if God so deems. All right? Now, we're going to move from this passage and go to another one. Actually, about four more. Okay? But before we do, it is. It is a matter of integrity and a matter of uh, ethics that I tell you that from here on out, the legwork for the majority of this message was done by a man named Sam Aylstock. Sam Aylstock is one of the associate pastors at Valley Forge Baptist Temple in Collegeville, Pennsylvania. And this is taken from some of the discipleship material that we use here in our church. And I want to make sure and give him, give God the glory and give him the credit for the work that he did I don't want you to think this is something that I labor to come. I do labor to come up with stuff, but this is not one of those things. But I can't improve upon it, so why not bring you good stuff, right? 
Sometimes it's good for me to cook you a meal, and sometimes it's good for me to order it and bring it. Right? Well, that's what I'm doing tonight. This is takeout. Okay? This is takeout. I'm bringing you Chinese. Amen. All right? Now, hopefully, you'll be hungry for more here shortly. Are y'all like me when you eat Chinese food? Are you hungry like real quick? Yeah, me, I am. I am. That's, that, that's how it should be with God's word, too. I get some of it. Boy, it fills me. That's great. But it ain't long for I want some more. Huh? See, that's how it ought to be. Okay. Anyway. So thank the Lord for the hard work of those that helped Brother Elstock put this together. But we're going to use something called shape. Shape. Because when we talk about our talents and all of that, what we're really talking about is our shape. You know, all right, preacher, where are you going with this? Well, shape is actually an acronym, and it stands for this. It stands for spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experience. All of that comes together, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. All of that comes together to help you determine how best to use you for God's glory, okay? And it's my hope and my goal tonight that this, this lights a fire under us to say, you know what, I need, to, I need to, if I'm not already involved, I need to figure out ways that I can get involved in serving God with the talents with which he's blessed me. By the way, if you're interested, if you say, well, I'm not real sure where I fall on that, on that spectrum, well, we've got resources that can help you with that. And you just ask them, ask for them, and we'll get them to you. And you can take those things home and work through them and see exactly uh, where you fall into the, to this, uh, this subject, okay? All right, so let's look uh, at our shape for ministry. Let's pray, and we'll get into it. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to talk about this, Lord. May I rightly divide your word of truth. Thank you for the work of Brother Elstock in putting this together. And uh, Lord, help me to do right by it. And uh, Lord, help it to accomplish in our hearts what you want it to. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. All right, turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I'm just going to go ahead and just read a bunch of scripture. And it's your job to remember it. All of it. Romans chapter 12, verse number 6. Romans 12, verse number 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. All right? Now, if you would go over a few pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And verse number 8. Let's go back to verse number 4. 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 4. Now there are diversities of gifts with the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations with the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. 
For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and selfsame Spirit. Now remember, this, this right here, verse 11, reinforces what we've already said. God gives people spiritual, spiritual gifts as he sees fit. Okay, you didn't get them because you asked for them. You got them because God gave them to you. All right, but all these work at that one and the self same spirit, dividing to every man severally or individually as he will. God is sovereign in this decision. Okay, whatever spiritual gifts God's given you, He has sovereignly decided to give that to you. All right, verse twelve. For as the body is one, hath many members, so all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. Okay. Now, keep going, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Let's read some more, shall we? 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. The upside of this is some of y'all are way ahead on your Bible reading for the month now. If you, if you keep lists, you, do you like me? If you keep lists and you check off how many chapters you read a day or whatever, see, I can check off a whole bunch of stuff that I haven't even gotten to yet because I just read it, see? Always a silver lining. First Peter 4, verse 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so let's talk about our shape for ministry, our shape ministry. Now, we're going to give you a list as we get, first of all, into spiritual gifts. We're going to give you a list, and you may think, well, wait a minute, you read some that you didn't include in this list. Understand, when you compare Scripture with Scripture, some of the gifts that are referenced are no longer in operation, okay? Um, and so when you, when you put all of Scripture together, like, for instance, tongues, all right, um, I have nothing but respect for people that love God with all their heart but still embrace some of the sign gifts, and there are people out there like that. There are uh, Pentecostal folks out there that love Jesus and want to serve him. I respectfully disagree with their understanding of Scripture in this matter, okay? I don't want to, I don't want to sound like that I'm, I'm being mean-spirited, but we believe from Scripture that when we got the completed Word of God, that sign gifts were no longer necessary. All the credentials we need is the Word of God as, as activated by the Holy Spirit. Okay? And what you see in church history is as you get closer to the Word of God being completed, you see those sign gifts being used less and less and less until finally that which was perfect has come, that which is in part is done away. Okay? So we'll not include that. Now, does it still, are there still vestiges of it in Christian experience? The answer is yes. There are some people that God has gifted 
to be very good with languages. Thank the Lord for that. We need that. I, th- I think Levi's working on that. Levi's working on Bible translation work and getting, getting you know, uh, copies of the Scripture into languages that don't have them yet. That's wonderful, and that's great. But as far as being able to speak in a tongue that you did not know heretofore and God gave you that ability, that, that doesn't exist anymore. We don't believe. Okay? All right, so, so there'll be things that you think, wait a minute, I thought I heard you touch on these. I did, but some of them are not in operation anymore. Okay, so let's begin with gifted men. Ephesians 4.11, we read about this. You have evangelists, and you have pastors and teachers. Now, there are some that believe pastors and teachers are two different people, and there are some believe grammatically that they're, they're the same person. I take the latter position. I think we're talking about pastor-teachers. You say, well, what about people that teach but aren't pastors? That's covered later. But in this particular, in this particular respect, It's expected that a pastor, and we know this from the qualifications of the pastor, be apt to teach. That's part of it. I'm all about a good preacher. I love hearing good preachers. But have you ever heard a preacher say, man, I I don't mind a dose of that every once in a while, but I I couldn't sit in his pastor. You know, I need to be taught. I need to be taught. Honestly, what what gets me now, now, like I said, I love getting under good preaching, and I love, you know, that pep rally that you get and all of that kind of thing. But to really grow as a Christian, I listen to a lot of teaching to help me and to build me, okay? And and so should you. So should you, all right? And be involved in that, all right? So you've got evangelists and pastors and teachers. From Ephesians 4.11, the Bible says that he gave them to you. So I probably don't live up to this, but technically, according to Scripture, I'm a gift, Now, you may want to return that gift. You may hope that gift has a warranty or something like that. But the fact is, pastors and teachers and evangelists are gifts that God has given to the local church for the perfecting of the saints. I don't try to preach this into anybody's life. I have no idea the calling on any young man's life in here, but wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if we see God start calling young men out of this church to preach? Now, we've got to be super careful because there was a culture there that, that if you were called to preach, you were treated differently than every other kid. We've got to be careful about that. Can I tell you something? A kid that's called to be a good, solid, godly Christian school teacher is as important as somebody called to preach. A kid that's called to be a good, solid, godly accountant is as important as somebody that's called to preach. We don't want to treat kids differently. All we want is for every kid to find out what God has called them to do and be the best Christian they can be doing it. Somebody asked me one time, what would you do, what would you do if your daughter came home and said she, she met a preacher boy at college? I'd do everything I could to discourage it. Preacher boys are the worst, especially freshman, sophomore preacher boys, because they know everything without knowing anything. And I have found in my own life, it just gets worse. I still don't know anything. So no, no preacher boys. But, but we want to be careful. But wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? I, I jest, but it would be a wonderful thing to have young men come out of this church and go plan other churches, and go lead other ministries. That'd be a wonderful, wonderful thing. But then you have speaking gifts. Speaking gifts. I don't know why these things are off-center, but it's driving me crazy. Speaking gifts. 
Romans chapter 12, we saw the gift of teaching. Uh, We saw the gift of prophecy in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, which we didn't get to that tonight. What is prophecy? Well, before we had the completed word of God, prophecy was a foretelling of God's word. But now that we have the completed word of God, prophecy is a foretelling of God's word. Somebody who has the gift of prophecy tends to see things in black and white, and they don't mind proclaiming it. My my dominant spiritual gift, surprise, surprise, is prophecy. I tend to see things in black and white, and I tend to I tend to want to get loud about it. You know, speaking gifts, prophecy, words of knowledge, and words of wisdom we find in First Corinthians chapter twelve. Now, a word of knowledge before the completed word of God was once again something that God uh, put into somebody's life to, to lead somebody into a new truth. Now, it's, it's being able to communicate truth that we already have. But then you have a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom goes a step further. This is somebody that doesn't just have the knowledge, they're just really good at applying it. Have you known people in your life that just had an extra dose of wisdom? Okay. Then you have exhortation. Exhortation, that's encouragement. That's being a cheerleader. We're, we're, our, our basketball teams are, are about to start. Friday night's our first game. And our girls' team, no better, no worse, just different. We graduated two off the team, and, and now we're having to rethink how we're doing things. But one thing that, that we have noticed is, is Kristen, if nothing else, Kristen was an exhorter. Kristen was an encourager, and then she hauled off and graduated. So now we're watching to see which of these girls are going to step into that role and be an encourager and an exhorter because you need that. You need that. Hey, the church needs that. The church needs people that are an encouragement. The church needs people that, that when you ask them how they're doing, they're not that quick to tell you. Hmm? I know, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. I, I get all that. But sometimes we just need to look past ourselves and be an encouragement to other people. We need that. And maybe that's you. These are speaking gifts. So you've got gifted men, you've got speaking gifts, and then you've got serving gifts. These are people that maybe they're not so vocal, but boy, they're active. Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 told us about the gifts of administration or what it calls ruling. These are people that are organizers. These are people that know how to set things in place to make them work most efficiently. I do not possess that gift. I am a terrible, terrible administrator. Now, thankfully, I am no longer the school administrator. We have somebody that does have that gift over there, and it shows good Good. Some people are just really good at that kind of thing. About the gift of helps in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. These are people that just know how to be an assistant to somebody else and how to get them to where they need to go. And then Romans 12, there's the gift of giving. Some people are just extraordinarily generous with their time, with their talents, with their treasure. They're just generous people. And that's a spiritual gift. The gift of mercy. (laughs) I don't have that one either. I'm trying. 
it's okay to try to develop all these gifts, but it's not my dominant one. You know, the gift of mercy. Some of you, some of you in your parental structure, one of you is a prophet and the other of you is mercy. Our kids are in trouble. Neither of us are mercy. About about the extent of it is, now, honey, careful, we might get arrested. No, I'm kidding. That's not true. (laughs) Just kidding. Some people have the gift of mercy. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us about the gift of faith. Some people are just blessed with an extraordinary amount of faith. They just take God at his word, and they just trust him. Everything's going to be fine. I'm not always that way either. The gift of faith. And then 1 Corinthians 12 talks about discernment. These are people that are circumspect. They're able to see through things and see what's really going on. Oh, would to God we had that in our government right now, discernment. Would to God we had more of it in our churches, discernment. So we see these spiritual gifts, these gifted men, these speaking gifts, these serving gifts. And that's the first thing that we need to figure out is what is your spiritual gift? Everybody has at least one. Remember, he divides severally to every man. I don't have any spiritual gifts. Then the Bible's wrong because it says you do. Everybody has at least one. All right? So that's, that's the S. Now we're continuing this acronym of SHAPE. The second thing we need to determine is your heart. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 12. 1 Samuel chapter 12. Verse 20. Verse Samuel 12, verse 20, And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not. You have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. One way this is explained is we're talking about your emotional heartbeat. So we would ask this question. What are your passions? Now, this is assuming your passions are allowable. Well, preacher, I'm going to tell you, i got a passion for tobacco. Well, I'm not real sure how you're going to use that for the glory of God, although Spurgeon tried. (laughs) Don't know how you're going to use that. You love kids? That's a passion. You love teaching? That's a passion. You love sports? That's a passion. You love potatoes? That's a passion. Hey, is gardening a passion? You better believe it. I've seen some of y'all. I know how y'all, y'all, y'all don't play around when it comes to this stuff. Hort- you're horticulturally inclined. I am not. I can grow weeds. Not weed. Weeds. And if that's your passion, then we need to have a talk. What's your passion? I say, well, I got to be honest with you, preacher. I can't stand kids. Then probably we're not going to put them in junior church to help you. That's probably not a good idea. I love electronics. Okay? There's always the need for more people to help in our 
audiovisual ministry and things like that. Oh, preacher, my passion is web design. Oh, we need to talk. Preacher, my, my, my passion is, is mechanical stuff. My passion is working on vehicles. Hey! What's your passion? Because your passion tells you which direction you ought to head, but it also tells you what direction not to head. See? Don't go against your passion, providing it's scriptural. Go with it. What do you love? I don't claim to be very good at it, but I love preaching. Andy, how did you know that you were supposed to be a preacher? My easiest answer is I love it. Now, that's not the only metric. You know, because there's a lot of people out there that love it. That doesn't mean that, you know, burden doesn't constitute a call, but, but that's, that's one of the first ones. If a man desire the office of a bishop, the first qualification, if it's a man, desire the office of a bishop, oh, God called me to preach. I don't want to preach. I hate preaching. Then God probably didn't call you to preach. You know? What's your passion? What's your heart? Because we understand the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, but a heart that's given over to God is a powerful thing. And if you delight yourself in the Lord, you're pliable to his will, what does he do? He gives you the desires. He gives you the right passions. What's your heart? And Samuel said, follow the Lord with all your heart. All right, now go to Exodus 31. Here's the next thing. And by the way, these all work with one another. These all work with one another. Because if your heart, if your passions don't match up with what the Word of God says scripturally, then it's a wrong passion. Do I dare? I do dare. Some dear lady, some dear saint of God comes to me and says, Pastor, I'm, I'm struggling with something. I have a passion for preaching. Then that's not of God. Because while you ladies are not, they, you don't come behind men in any spiritual gift, and God has used ladies mightily over these 2,000 years of the church being in existence, I thank the Lord for you. But one thing that, that the Bible has made clear, ladies are not called to preach. That's starting to find its way into the Southern Baptist Convention, the formerly conservative Southern Baptist Convention. And people are getting flayed online because they're daring to say that the Bible says that women are not to be preachers. I'm sorry, y'all, they're not. They can be teachers within the right authority structure, but they can't be preachers. It's got nothing to do with who's better or value or anything like that. It's just what the Bible says. So a young lady comes to me and says, Preacher, I think maybe God's calling me to preach. I can say with no hesitation, no, he's not, honey. He's not. That passion needs to be realigned. So your heart needs to match up with spiritual gifts. Now, the next one is your abilities. Your abilities need to match up with your heart. And then they need to match up with your spiritual gifts. That'll, you'll see what I'm saying here in a second. Exodus 31, verse 3. Well, verse 1. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God and wisdom and an understanding and in knowledge and all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting of stones, to set them and in carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. 
What abilities has God given you? What abilities do you have that can be used for his glory? Now, let's, let's follow the, the progression. Preacher, I have a passion. I have a heart. But that stands to reason that God will have also given you the ability. It'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. Those are real too. It'd be awesome if I could say in the Family Life Center, I did all the electrical work in the Family Life Center. And that may be my passion, but I do not possess that ability. Bezalel was not chosen to oversee the craftsmanship of the Ark of the Covenant and all the instruments and everything because he was a good guy, although he was. He was chosen because he knew what he was doing. God had given him ability. Some of you have abilities that I will never come anywhere near. And I've got to be super careful that my heart lines up with my abilities, and both of them line up with my spiritual gift. Now, let me preface this with saying that there's not one person I think needs to leave the choir. I am thrilled with everybody that's in the choir. But have you ever met somebody that, I sure do want to sing a special, and they can't carry a tune in a bucket? You remember that old song, Please let me sing in the choir, Lord. I hate that song. If you're spending time following a passion for which you have no ability, you are neglecting the passion that you do have an ability for. I know that's hardcore, but it's true. So I may want to say, be able to say that I did all the electrical work in the Family Life Center, but you don't want that. I don't have that ability. But what ability do you have? Some of you are excellent when it comes to electrical work or plumbing or, or you know, grade work or, or whatever. Great! Then use it for God's glory. Well, I'm not very good at this or that. You're good at something, friend. So find the something, line it up with your heart, line that up with spiritual gifts, and man, we're on to something. Then we're off and running. i tell you something. I'm going to get this out here so you can stop being mad at me by the time we build it. There's some parts of the Family Life Center we're going to hire out. Now, if there's things we can do to save some money, great. But there's some things we're going to hire out. Why? Because it's beyond us. It's beyond us. We need professional help. Some of us more than others. What would you think? What would you think if when I come to a troublesome part of a passage and rather than consulting people that actually know, I just say, I'm just going to go with this. It'll fly. It'll preach. No. I got to talk to people that know what they're doing. And that's true of everything. So, what abilities has God given you? Use them. So, I'm a good cook. Martha ministry all day long. 
I promise you, Jenny will not look at anybody and say, well, frankly, we've got too many people involved. It ain't going to happen. There's always room for more. Like Jell-O. There's always room for Jell-O. It's before some of y'all's time. So you've got spiritual gifts, and you've got your heart, and you've got your abilities. Now your personality. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to stick to the outline because this is where people could really get their feelings hurt. <laughs> Holy Spirit, please show people what they need to glean from this point because I can't get into it. Are you introverted or extroverted? Which do you think I am? I'm an introvert. I am. By nature, I'm an introvert. But then I go into preacher mode. So personality isn't a, you know, isn't a granite, ch- you know, chiseled in granite, but, but it does play a role in it. Are you an introvert or are you an ex- extrovert? Some people that are introverts, oh, there's, there's nothing I can do for the Lord. There's plenty of jobs you can do that you don't have to really talk to anybody. Now, it doesn't bear out tonight because everybody that's in the booth are nice, you know, outward-going people. But the truth is, if you just, if you just the idea of ministering to somebody face-to-face, great, then Bryce will teach you about the video room. Or the Robinsons will teach you about the sound room. That's a great place to hide and serve God. That's not saying that everybody's in these roles are introverts. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we can adapt to your personality because God gave it to you. Are you introverted or are you extroverted? Some people are thinkers, and some people are feelers. A good example is Mary versus Martha. One's not better than the other. Mary's a thinker. Martha's a feeler. I'm sorry, that's backwards. Martha's a thinker. Mary's a feeler. There's room for both. Now, do you think that I'm going to take somebody and put them in a counseling ministry that doesn't have some feeling to them? I'm going to pick somebody if this isn't the case. Robert. Robert is a, he's a very heartfelt man. We've prayed over things. We've wept together, all that good stuff. But let's pretend Robert wasn't like that. Let's pretend Robert's just as black and white as they come. I'm not going to send somebody to Robert with some kind of a problem because he's just going to look at him and go, well, sounds to me like you just need to get right with God. I guess you're telling me you don't love God, huh? You don't love his word? I guess you love TV more, don't you? I mean, that all may be true, but my soul put some feeling with it. You know, personality plays a role in it. There's two major types of personality. Are you sanguine or are you melancholy? Do you tend towards happy or do you tend towards sad? If you've been around me, you know which direction I am. I tend towards melancholy. Well, God can't use somebody like that. I'm thinking of a guy named Jeremiah that God used pretty mightily. David had that tendency. Elijah had that tendency. Can I remind you that, you, you know, Paul talks about that thorn in the flesh. That can be mental and emotional as much as it can be physical. God gave you your personality. Don't let your personality drive you, and don't let it take you away from the Word of God. But if God gave you a sanguine personality, then use it. And if God gave you a melancholy personality, then use it. Some people need a Christian that knows how to weep with them. 
What's your personality? Here's the last one. Spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and then your experiences. Turn to Romans 8.28. Please, I'm sorry to be so bossy. And we know, who's we? Well, us and Paul, all of us collectively, but more than that, us and the Holy Spirit, because that's who he's just finished talking about. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. How many things work together for good? Well, Andy, I can think of some pretty horrible things. There's no way God, all things, all things. Now, we're not saying that all things are good. Was slavery good? Nope. Slavery was terrible. It still exists, and it's still terrible. Horrible. And we should take no comfort in it. But did God find ways to use it? Well, we're, not, we're not saying it was okay. Did God use it? There's a whole lot of precious Africans that never would have heard the gospel had they not come over. Now, God could have sent a missionary to them and maybe would have, but the fact is this is what man chose to do. It was wrong. He shouldn't have done it. But God and his sovereignty said, okay, I'm going to do this in the midst of it then. Now, people hear stuff like that and immediately want to say, racist? No. I'm telling you, God has used terrible, terrible circumstances to accomplish things for his glory. I've said it before. I wonder if this most recent situation, I want to be careful about how I word this, but I wonder if we're not in a new Jim Elliott situation. Jim Elliott went to the Alka Indians, and they murdered him. And his wife went back, and others went back. And there's a whole lot of saved people in that region. And we have benefited from the testimony of Jim Elliott. How many times have we heard he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose? It's a horrible thing that's happened over there in the Middle East, a horrible thing, a terrible thing. It was not good, but all things work together for good. Every, it's been said God never wastes an experience. We do, but God doesn't. So if at, the end of, if at the end of all this thing, I finally get this dumb thing off of me, and the doctor says, well, we've looked at your results, you're a goner. Well, that's not good. Will God use it for good? Yeah. God can use medical situations, job situations. I worked for, I worked for uh, deluxe check printers. That's back when, y'all remember checks? These young people don't know what we're talking about here. It used to be that you'd fill out a check and you'd use that to make payment on things and it was a promise that you could take it out of the, anyway. I used to print those things. I printed Joe DiMaggio's checks one time. Kept his account, no, I didn't keep his account number. Um, All right. I was moving up in the ranks. I I was about to be supervisor material. And I loved it. I loved that job. 
was making, I was making all kinds of money at that job. And, and the benefits, man, I could get insurance for next to nothing because I was young and single and all that. I had three-quarters of a million dollars in life insurance on me. Kept catching my mom, cutting brake lines on the car. We were the most profitable part of the whole company, plant in the whole company. And then one day our plant manager, our fearless leader, calls us in for a meeting, and, and the night shift and the day shift are there together. And he goes, well, i got an announcement to make. They're closing us down. What? Yeah. And in the next couple of weeks, they're going to send people in that are going to get your jobs, and you need to train them how to do your jobs. What? You know what it was? Richmond was not a major transportation hub. And so they got rid of it. They offered me severance. My severance paid me to the day, to my first day of classes at Pensacola Christian College. I didn't see it at the time, but that's where I initially met my wife. Met the guy that put my name in the hat to be the, the pastor of the church I was first. All these things weren't good. Losing my job wasn't good, but it worked together for good. I loved a girl. Thought I was going to marry her. And then God put the brakes on that thing. And I called her up. I would have done it face to face, but we're talking cross country. I'm not buying a plane ticket for that. <laughs> She's a great girl, loved God. Nothing wrong with her, but it was clear God wasn't in it. I called her and I said, we're done, we got to be. God's not in this thing. And there I sit on my mom's deck thinking, okay, statistically, I'm never going to get married. What an idiot am I? It wasn't good. Did it work out for good? Yeah. Every experience you have can be used of God to do something for his glory. Maybe you're, remember what we talked about with Lazarus, not everything that happens to you is about you. Abuse is a terrible, horrible thing, but nobody can bring comfort to an abused person like somebody that's been there. Cancer is a horrible thing, but nobody can encourage a cancer patient like a cancer survivor. Why doesn't God just fix everything? Because we live in a fallen world, and that's not how he does it. I don't know how to give you a better answer than that. But all things work together for good to them that love God or they're called according to his purpose. So whatever you're going through, whatever experience you have, whether it's what you've been trained in vocationally or educationally, whether it's what you've gone through in difficulty, whatever, God can and will use it in other people's lives. So your experiences matter. Oh, pastor, God can't use me. I'm divorced. That is precisely why he can use you. God can't use me. I've spent time in jail. That is precisely why he can use you. God can't use me. I have anxiety issues. That is precisely why he can use you. 
These things are not limitations. These things are opportunities. I'm not saying that we should invite this stuff or look forward to bad things happening, but they will happen, and when they do, you use them for God's glory. So what's the so what? Everybody in here who names the name of Christ, everybody in here who is a child of God, not only do you have the opportunity, you have the responsibility to serve him with your talents. If you're not a steward of your talents, then you'll never be a steward of your treasure. It's been my experience over the years that people that willing to give of their time and their talents, the treasure just naturally comes. And that's why that's last. Because if I, can, if I can see the Holy Spirit get a hold of people's hearts to make sure that they live according to the truth that our time belongs to God and our treasures belong to God, I'm sorry, our talent belongs to God, then the treasures will come. You show me a church full of people that give God their time and their talents, treasure's not an issue. It's not. And I'd rather have that than a group full of people that give all their treasure but none of their talent and none of their time. It takes all three. It all belongs to God. So how do I give him my talent? First of all, we've got to figure out your spiritual gift. Second of all, we've got to look at your abilities. I'm sorry. Shape, not sape. Shape, your heart. What are your passions? And then your abilities. And then your personality. And finally, your experience. You put them all together, what do you have? A roadmap map using your talents the glory of God. Thank you, Sam Elstock, and thank you, Holy Spirit.